You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, Grace. Great to see you all this morning. It's a blessing to be here. If you will, I invite you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. It's page 811 in your pew Bible. If you don't have your own copy of Scripture, that's totally okay. Page 811 in your pew Bible. You know, church, a story is told of a young man who was fresh out of Bible school, and he answered a want ad for an administrative pastor at a small church. He was interviewed by the senior pastor who came across as a very nervous man. And the pastor said, I need someone with a Bible degree, but mainly I'm looking for someone to do my worrying for me. The young man said, excuse me? The pastor replied, you see, I worry about a lot of things here at the church, but I don't want to have to worry about money. So your job would be be to take all the money worries off my back. And the young man replied, I see. And and how much does this job pay? And the pastor answered, we'll start you off at $80,000. To which the young man exclaimed, $80,000? How could such a small church afford a sum like that? That, the pastor said, is your first worry. <clears throat> you know, church, if, if you're alive and breathing, then you know that worry is a natural part of everyday life. However, what you may not know is that if left unchecked, worry can literally steal all the joy right out of your life. The great missionary Corey Tenboom once said, Worry does not empty tomorrow of sorrows, it empties today of strength. You see, not only has worry been proven to drain you both emotionally and spiritually, but it also has been proven to have a detrimental, sometimes even deadly effect on you physically. In fact, it's been noted that worry can make you sick, it can cut down on your enjoyment on life, and hamper your productivity. It also increases your risk of heart attacks and strokes. It impairs digestion. It causes shortness of breath. It causes all kinds of aches and pains. It produces headaches and migraines. And church, the list goes on and on and on. A quick Google about worry. Go on WebMD. You'll figure it out pretty quickly. Needless to say, Solomon was right when he wrote in Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him Well, if you're here this morning a little bit weighed down by worry, I've got some good news for you. You see, the Bible offers an alternative to our anxiety, an option that frees your soul from the cares of this world, an option that fills your spirit with comfort and peace and strength, even in the midst of turmoil, an option that allows you to lay all of your burdens on the back of a Savior who is willing and able to bear them. Church, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. How many of you want to opt for that option? Say, sign me up. Well, this morning, as we continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to find Jesus expounding more on the subject of worry and how to overcome it. And it's through our study we're going to be reminded of this important truth. Kingdom citizens... Choose worship over worry. And so let's take a moment, we'll bow our heads and pray before we hop into God's word this morning. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for this passage of scripture. Lord, a passage that will be familiar to many. 
But Lord, if we're honest, practiced by few. Lord, we admit that we are warriors. We admit that we do not always apply the truths of your word to our lives in this area. And we also admit, Lord, we even believe, Lord, that if we just would, that many of the weights that we're carrying on our shoulders we'd be free from. So, Lord, help us to give more than just lip service to the truths of your word, God. Help us, especially in this area, apply them to our lives, God. It is so important. Lord, you preached to me this week. And I pray that you would preach to our whole church body the importance of what we're supposed to do when we're worried. God, we give this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we jump into today's text, I just want to recap last week's subject because there's a direct connection to this week's subject. As you might recall, last week we talked about the significance, uh, or excuse me, the importance of investing our lives in things eternal. Jesus was challenging his listeners to be less concerned about storing up earthly treasures and more concerned about storing up heavenly treasures that will never fade away. And so in essence, he was calling us to keep a loose grip on earthly possessions and to live with an eternal mindset. And so you might be wondering, well, what does that have to do with worry? Well, simply put, those who are overly concerned with material assets always have anxiety. Always have anxiety. And so in today's passage, Jesus is going to reassure his listeners, listen, when you choose to live with an eternal mindset, a kingdom living mindset, you're going to have nothing to be anxious about. And so it's with this context that we'll read the whole passage and then we'll break it down. We're in Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. Jesus said, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you so anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet... I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is, uh, today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There was a man who was in a hurry to catch an airplane and worried that he would miss his flight. He busted into full panic mode and ran, huffing and puffing toward his gate. Did that ever happen to anybody here? You're rushing to get, you, get to your plane. My in-laws just this past weekend missed their flight to Idaho. Uh, because they had to rush to get to their, their next flight. Well, anyway, as he was running anxiously, he passed by a guy who was dressed in a pilot's uniform. And the guy yelled out to the breathless man, what are you in such a hurry for? And the man said, oh, I'm, I'm late for my plane, and if I don't get there soon, I'll miss my flights. And he proceeded to tell the guy what flight he was hurrying to. 
And then the uniformed man gently replied, listen, don't worry and don't be in a hurry. I'm the pilot of that plane. And at once the man's posture went from panic to peace. Church, if the pilot of the plane is relaxed, the passenger should be as well. God is the pilot of our lives. He is the one who carries us, directs us, provides for us. He's the one in whom we place all of our trust to get us from point A to point B. And if he tells us not to worry, what do you think? We probably shouldn't worry. Well, in today's passage, we find three principles concerning worry and our response to it. Let's begin by looking at the first The call to stop worrying. Verse 25 should be on the screen. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Now I've heard it said that anxiety is the universal disease of our age. And if that's true, and I believe it is, then Christ's words are the antidote. You see, he begins by calling, really commanding his listeners not to worry about the daily needs of life. Specifically, he begins by commanding them not to worry about what they're going to eat, drink, or wear, and he does so for good reason. You see, in ancient times, food and water could not be taken for granted. I mean, they really can't be taken for granted now either. We need them to live. However, even more so back in ancient times. You see, if there was a little snow in the mountains or little rainfall in the valleys, that meant little water in the rivers. And if there was insufficient water, there would be inadequate food supply. Moreover, when it came to clothing, most people owned only a few tunics and maybe one cloak. I talked about that a few weeks ago. In fact, a cloak had multiple uh, purposes and was really essential to daily living. And so all this to say, these three items are absolutely critical necessities for life. And making sure that there was ample supply of these items, I'm sure, is what kept the Jewish people up at night. And so, church, not much has changed 2,000 years later because the same things keep us up at night. How are we going to provide the daily necessities uh, for ourselves and our families? It's still among one of our greatest cares. And so when Jesus says, do not be anxious about life, it's, it's a calling, it's a command to take the focus off of these worries, or should I say potential worries, because 90% of the things we worry about, what? Never happen. But he says, take the focus off these worries and put your faith in God and his provision. It's a call to trust him. You know, one of the very first verses I've ever memorized was Proverbs 3, uh, 5, and 6, actually. But Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. There is so much everyday truth in this one verse, friends. But that word trust, the Hebrew word for trust means to lie down or to put your entire weight on something. And so it carries this picture of going to sleep at night and laying down in your bed and believing that the bed is strong enough to hold you up. And so in the same way, trusting in the Lord is putting the entire weight of your worries on him, believing that he is able to hold you up. You see, leaning on your own understanding, it inevitably leads to worry and anxiety and fear and depression. I don't have to tell you this. You know it, right? But then when we lean on the Lord, 
When we come to the Lord and we lean on him, it puts all this control back in his hands. And it's then when we find respite, peace. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so there's the, the call to stop worrying. Let's, let's go to the second principle here, the cause to stop worrying. In other words, are there reasons? Do, do we really have reasons not to worry that we could trust in this morning? Or is this just a sham? The cause to stop worrying. Look at verse 26. We'll start there. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Church, as crazy as it might sound, this past week I learned that there's a sizable list of benefits to birding or bird watching. Bird watching. Bird watching. In fact, birding can help you maintain physical fitness. Yes, I said physical fitness. If you don't believe me, Google it. And mental fitness. But moreover, birding has been proven to reduce stress, lessen depression, and ease anxiety. So if you guys happen to come to the church on any given week and you see me out in the backyard just staring into the abyss, you know why. I'm birding. Leave me alone. But based upon what Christ revealed about birds, I can see why. I mean, you see, birds, they don't worry about where their next meal is coming from. Sure, they work hard, they they do what they can to provide for themselves and their young, but unless you're playing the video game, there's no such thing as an angry bird. Some of the adults are like, what are you talking about? Nor, angry birds, nor do you ever see a worrisome bird. Never see a worrisome bird. Even during the storms, you ever notice what the birds are doing during the storms? They're singing. That's right, Paul, they're just singing. Church, birds demonstrate what it looks like to live peaceably and trust in God's provision. It's no wonder why it brings us comfort and peace just to watch them do their thing. Well, just as the birds simply wake up each day trusting that God will provide for their daily needs, we as believers are called to do likewise, especially given the intrinsic value and worth that God has given every single one of you in this room. Look at Psalm 139. Verses 13 and 14. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. You see, church, unlike the birds, we are fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. And if God is faithful to feed the birds, we can be certain that he'll be faithful to feed those who were literally made in his image. I like what one commentator said. He said, no bird is created in the image of God or recreated in the image of Christ. No bird was ever promised airship with Jesus Christ throughout all of eternity. No bird has has a place prepared for them in heaven. And if God gives and sustains lives for the birds, will he not take care of us who are his children who have been given all of these glorious promises? Jesus continues, verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? I like this. I like this one. I need this one. This is one that hits, hits hard. Church, if there's one thing that's true about our culture, 
it's that we're obsessed with trying to lengthen the years of our lives, right? And this reality has only been amplified during this thing called the coronavirus pandemic. Fear and anxiety over the coronavirus has literally, literally crippled the lives of many people. Some even still refusing to live their lives to the fullest for fear of getting the virus or dying. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not implying that we shouldn't take this virus seriously. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. It's real. Nor am I implying that we shouldn't do things to help maintain physical fitness and good health. However, what I am saying, or I should say what Christ is saying, is that worry will not change your expiration date. Again, Psalm 139.16 says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life, every day means every day, was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. You see, church, worrying will not make your life longer. But what it will do is make your life miserable. William Barclay said, There may be greater sins than worry, but very certainly there is no more disabling sin. Friends, God wants us to live an abundant life, not a debilitated life which is why it's so important that we get a grip on our worry, a biblical grip on our worry, and then give it over to, to the Lord. Let's just move on. Jesus continues, verses 28 and 30. This is all the cause to stop worrying. Look at verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is... Today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? As I mentioned earlier, clothing wasn't merely a commodity in ancient Jewish culture. It was an absolute necessity. And unlike today, where we have closets full of clothing that we hardly ever, ever wear, uh, most people back then didn't have more than just a few articles to call their own. And so speaking directly to their needs, Jesus called the attention to, attention to some surrounding flowers. I love how Christ just illustrates with stuff that's laying around. Just calls their attention to, to some flowers that were probably hanging out there. And his point was fairly straightforward. If God takes great care to cover the ground with beautifully adorned flowers, which in and of themselves have no productive value and last only a very short time, how much more will he cover his children who have infinite value and will live for eternity. You see, like most of Christ's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, this is meant to cut to the heart of his listeners. In fact, that statement, O oh, you of little faith, is used four other times throughout the Gospels. And in every instance, it's a reference to worry about food, about clothing, or about lifespan. And the point is that if you excessively worry, it really does show a lack of faith. Sure, you might have a saving faith. Let's just make the assumption that most people in this room have a saving faith in Christ. But when we, we with saving faith, worry, it shows that we don't have a sustaining faith. In other words, you may have placed your faith in Christ for your salvation, which is awesome, but you lack faith in Jesus to take care of you 
in your earthly life. You're okay with him taking care of your eternal life, but then all the weight of the world for your earthly life you put on yourself. And when I say you, I mean I'm, I'm pointing to myself as well. Church, we do this all the time. Real talk. We do this all the time. Jesus is saying, you see what the, the tenderness? Jesus isn't like, oh, you of little. He's not coming down on, on, on these people like he would be the Pharisees or some people that, that are these, these religious hypocrites. He's just trying to, like, listen. Come on. God's going to take care of you. Church, when we live with this type of misbalanced faith, not only do we miss out on the abundant life that Christ offers, but we miss the mark on what it even looks like to be a kingdom citizen. Look at verses 31 and 32. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall, shall we wear? For the Gentiles, they seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. You know, normally when we see the word Gentiles in Scripture, it's just a reference to non-Jews. We're all Gentiles, really. However, in this context, it's a broader reference to really anyone who disbelieves or disregards God. And so, church, all this to say, as kingdom citizens, we're supposed to look different than the unbelieving worlds around us. When the world is anxious, kingdom citizens, they're at peace. They're at peace. Why? Because we don't have any problems? No. Because we don't have any worries? No. We're at peace because we're wholeheartedly trusting in the Father's provision. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on politics. No. Whose mind is stayed on you. Why? he trusts in you because he trusts in you and this leads us to the third principle the cure to stop worrying we have the call we have the causes the reasons now let's look at the cure verse 33 but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you everything he just got done talking about will be taken care of if you could do this one thing. You know, church, when Carrie and I got married, we had a certain decorative theme for our wedding. I have no idea what that decorative theme was, but I'm sure we had it nonetheless. And at our reception, just like most receptions, there were centerpieces on the table. Again, ask Carrie for proof. I called her this week. I said, Carrie, what were our centerpieces? She couldn't remember either. No clue what our centerpieces were. However... A centerpiece, by its very definition, is meant to be the central focus of attention. That's why it's a centerpiece, not in side piece. Thank you. <laughs> this is my side piece right here, right? Anyway, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> the purpose of a centerpiece is to bring everything together, right? And so it can be said that in this verse, not only... It, it, that this verse is not only the centerpiece of today's passage, but this is the centerpiece of the entire Sermon on the Mount. This is the one thing. The truth to remember in the Sermon on the Mount is what I have highlighted here. Because if you can get this one thing right, church, one thing, not even Ten Commandments, okay? This one thing, everything else falls into place. 
everything else. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is the cure for anxiety. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it was a call to put God first in every area of our lives. To make his kingdom agenda our first priority. Because when our lives are focused on things eternal, we're not going to have time to fret about things that are temporal. When we are so solely focused on living for eternity and living for the Lord and obeying his commands and trusting him, it's just kind of like the miscellaneous worries of the world. They just don't get to us as much. You're going to get worried. Let's just be honest. You're going to get worried, but the cure to worry is to come back to these verses. Even Paul said in Philippians 4, he said, don't be anxious, which implies anxiousness. Don't be anxious. Be anxious about nothing, but pray about everything. Go back to the Lord. Bring your anxieties to the Lord. Not to mention, when we make God the centerpiece of our lives, he promises that he's going to provide everything we need for our lives. He doesn't promise, well, I need a Lamborghini. No, you don't. So don't think, well, I'm seeking his kingdom first and the car hasn't shown up to my doorstep yet. But he'll provide what you need as a father would provide for his kids. I like what Psalm 3410 says. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. And so then Jesus closes out this powerful passage with one more admonition about anxiety. Look at verse 34. He said, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Church, it's been said that planning for tomorrow is time well spent. Worrying about tomorrow is time wasted. Church, if we're honest, most of us would admit that we've wasted an unhealthy amount of time worrying about the future, worrying about the what-ifs. That's, honestly, that's one of my biggest struggles is worrying about the what-ifs. And while this, these, worry, these feelings of worry, even though they might come naturally, in choosing to entertain these natural desires to worry, we're forgetting something spiritually. You know what we're forgetting? We're forgetting that God is the God of today, tomorrow, and all of eternity. When we worry, we forget that God, when we worry about tomorrow, we forget that God's already there. He's already there. We have no clue what tomorrow is going to bring. No clue. And worrying is not going to reveal what tomorrow is going to bring. It's not like this, this genie in a, in a lamp where all of a sudden you just kind of rub the lamp and, and, and if you worry enough, then maybe you're going to know what, how, how tomorrow is going to happen. We don't. And it won't work. But again, what we do know is with certainty is that God is already there. And he's going to provide everything we need to carry us through once we get there. I was reminded of these powerful words from the prophet Jeremiah in Lamentations. It's a book that probably you haven't spent a ton of time in. I don't spend a ton of time in, but man, I'm glad God brought these verses to mind. Lamentations chapter 3, 21 through 25. Just, just listen to these words. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Let's just stop there. This I call to mind, 
What is this? We're going to read it in a second. And therefore I have hope. There's something about speaking truth into your mind, the truth of God's word into your mind that provides you with hope and assurance. And here it is. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Every morning. You're worried about tomorrow? It's okay, because when you get there, his mercies are new. Every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Chris, can we go back one, one slide? Can we read this together? And really just absorb it together? Let's read. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. You know, Ruth Bell Graham once said, I have learned that worship and worry cannot live in the same heart. They are mutually exclusive. And as we learned in today's passage, she's absolutely right. So church, as an act of worship, let me encourage you to give your worries over to the Lord and find your peace in his promises and provision. It takes faith. It takes faith to release control over to him. I admit that. But that's, that's the gig. That's, that's who we are. That's kingdom citizenship is faith. That's our salvation, yes? Faith. So we have faith. And we trust and wait on the Lord. I love the words of Psalm 94, 19. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. <sighs> Doesn't get any better than that. And so this leads us back to today's truth to remember. Kingdom citizens choose, choose worship over worry. Notice it's not feel worship over worry. It's choosing worship over worry. You understand the differences there? And so, friends, if you need to release some worry over to the Lord this morning, some weight that you're carrying, I want you to consider this an open invitation to come forward uh, and pray during the closing song. And seriously, don't hesitate. If you, if you just feel like, man, i got to give this over to the Lord, uh, there's nothing magical about coming forward, but there is something uniquely different when you just come forward and you just get out. Uh, and it doesn't matter who's looking or what. You just come forward and you just you sit up here, you kneel down here, and you just pray and give over to God, whatever it is you need to give over to God. There's just something healthy about that. And so I just want to encourage you, when the music starts, if you just need to come, then just come. Don't overthink it. Don't underthink it. Don't even think about it. Just come. 
And now perhaps you're here this morning and maybe you're carrying a different weight of worry. Maybe it's not the, the worriness of the world or daily provisions or whatever. Maybe you are genuinely worried and deeply concerned that you will not go to heaven when you die. Maybe that's your worry. I know, I know a lot of people that are like that. They, they, they do everything they can to make sure they're in good standing with God so that if they take their last breath, they'll make the cut. Friends, if that's you, I want you to listen closely. That's not how it works. You can leave here never worrying about your eternal destiny ever again. And church, I'm just telling you, as your pastor, I have a lot of worries in my life. I admit that. I worry. And so I, you know, just like you, I got to apply Matthew 6 to my own life. A lot of things I worry about. There's one thing I don't. It's my eternity. Why? It's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because of any good thing that I do. I'm not worried about my eternity because I believe what God's word says about salvation. And to keep it simple, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him. I chose to believe in Jesus when I was 18 years old, to place my faith in him and him alone. And I believe at that moment, based upon what Scripture teaches, that, that I, I, I'm saved, that I became a kingdom citizen. Nothing, nothing that I've done, just really putting my faith in everything that Christ has done on the cross 2,000 years ago. And so if you're worried uh, about where you might end up, that tells me you've never done that. And so I want to encourage you, if, if you need to place your faith in Jesus and secure your eternity, just admit that you're a sinner and repent and ask forgiveness for your sins and believe that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was enough to save your soul. That, that's, that's what it is. And when you believe in Jesus and Jesus alone for your eternal life, the Bible teaches you are a child of God and you will go to heaven when you die. To those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God, John 1.12. And so if you need that assurance today, I'm going to invite you to come forward as well. Just come forward, pray. If you need to speak with me after the service to kind of get some clarity on anything, you could do that as well. But as we close, if you need to get rid of any worry, you come. I'd like to invite the praise team to come forward. And as they come, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for this morning and for the opportunity to enter into your word, God, I thank you for the power of your word, the truth of your word. God, we need it every day. And Lord, even, even as I'm preaching and as these words are coming out of my mouth, I could feel this piercing in my own heart, God, with my own struggles with worry and not choosing to worship over the worry. And God, this morning I pray that myself included that we as a church body would just lay our burdens at your feet like you call us to. Choose to worship God. And when we are down and out, and when we're discouraged, when we're anxious, God, that we would trust in you and in your provision. So much so that, that the world, the unbelieving world, is blown away by how, how at peace we are. God, I pray for anyone here that needs to get rid of the worries that they would come forward. I pray that anyone here that needs to come to faith in Christ would come forward. Only you know. But either way, Lord, we worship you and we love you. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.